can still see the sun shine above me. Lord, I love all the ways that you love me. You're the good, you're the good, you're the goodness. Through the good and the bad and the ugly, I can still feel the sun shine above me. Lord, I love all the ways that you love me. You're the good, you're the good, you're the good. You're the good, you're the good, you're the good, you're the good, you're the goodness. Still the goodness in my life. Seven years old, third row pew. John 3.16, something changed in me. Red letters coming off the page, flooding my heart with amazing grace. I knew then I believed, and those roots run deep. Oh, I've been through some faith-shaking hard times, yeah. But nothing's gonna make me forget. Every one of those Sunday sermons, every time that crowd sings, I'm 
heart has kind of lost its way. Yeah, crazy as it seems, yeah, I know it's gonna be okay. Okay, it doesn't scare me, it's temporary. There's something better we got forever. And it won't be long, cause I know our help is on the way. The way, so keep your head up. Jesus is coming back, Jesus is coming back. No, don't you give up. No, 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 no. Jesus is coming back, Jesus is coming back. And when the world gets complicated, we're gonna keep on celebrating. Cause we know, yeah, we know. Jesus is coming back, Jesus is coming back. We gotta stay awake, cause nobody knows the day or time. No. sleepless night free and hope comes with a morning light right now you're feeling like you've lost this fight and fear is screaming out your name when you say god help me you wonder if he's even listening truth is i wonder the very same thing so you don't have to feel shame let me walk with you through this valley 
and tell you all that I've learned to be true. Don't lose heart, don't you dare let go. Turn to glory beyond compare. So don't lose heart. Don't you dare let go. safe in my arms so don't lose heart don't you dare let go to the blind I believe that the dead came to life I believe there were wonders and signs and you're still the same I believe every word that you said I believe there were scars in your hands that your goodness is good without it You'll never change 
Is my guitar unmuted? morning, Covenant Fellowship. We're so glad you're here with us this morning. Please stand and join us in singing praise and worship to our Lord this morning. CD was turning over or something. Good to see everybody this morning. How's everybody doing? A little briskness in the air, wasn't it? A little cool this morning. Mine's phone showed 29 degrees when I woke up. I was trying to get Sam to go get his coffee and stuff. She wouldn't do it. But anyway, uh, glorious morning. Glad you're here. I hope you had a great week, a great day. Uh, uh, we have just a, a good truth this morning, an encouraging truth. I know last week was poignant, so we kind of have like a second Corinthians type truth, and if you know what I mean that by that, you'll figure it out later, but uh, so excited. If you're joining us online, I know we never want to leave y'all out. We're so thankful you're joining us as well, so uh, if, we, if we can be a blessing anyway, Richard, standing by, let him know you're there. Any prayer requests, please let us know. We want to be a blessing to you. If you have questions about today's service, you'll see an email at the end. Uh, or you can reach me directly at Todd at cfchurchtx.com. But we're honored that you're joining us. Uh, a couple of quick announcements, and we'll move on. Uh, we started our journey groups last Monday. Uh, a great turnout. Where it was so exciting. Uh, uh, I think the food, we had a great dinner, a spaghetti dinner. Uh, once you know you not miss out, it's not too late. We're really starting our lessons one in both the men's and ladies. Last week was really just a an introduction to walk in to what God has for us. So it's not too late to join. Please come be a part of it. The actual Bible studies start about 7.05, go to 7.45, but we do have the fellowship dinner before at 6. So come be a part of it. I know you'll be blessed by it. 
and uh, we can get that going. Then our Kid Camp Zone is coming up. Uh, we're excited about this, and I uh, can't read it that far away, but uh, it's Sabine Creek. So, <clears throat> excuse me, we're excited about that. If you have any questions, you know, let us know. Uh, <clears throat> the dates are June 12th through June 15th. June 12th, June 15th. We are working on fundraisers, so there'll be a lot of fundraising opportunities uh, for the children to earn the, the money that's due. So uh, be praying about that. Be praying over our kids. Be looking forward to those fundraisers as we move forward there. And then we have, uh, what we got next? Julie's uh, memorial service will be this Saturday. So uh, make sure you're here Saturday at 12 o'clock. Come support Dwayne and the family as we just rejoice over the life that God blessed us with through Julie and celebrate her home going. So uh, be a part of that. I know I mean the world to Dwayne and the family. So we look forward to seeing you there. And then what do we have next, guys? I think uh, our AFA. Okay, so a couple other things. Uh, where's Kim and Cheryl? Kim, if you'll, I mean, Cheryl, if you'll stand up for me, please. Most of us are familiar. If you're still wanting to get one of the CF logo shirts, we got them in multiple colors. We're trying to do them in groups of bundles as far as we can't really afford or it's not cost effective to order one or two at a time. So they are collecting uh, names for that. So please get with Kim or get with Cheryl, either one of them, and uh, let them know they can give you more details about it for size and colors. And we can get that kind of wrapped up. Uh, you know, not that we have an end date, but we just kind of like to get the last order bundled up and get that sent out. Amen on that. Then, as I told you last week, we uh, mentioned Amy for Africa and uh, just the great work that's going on there. And as I mentioned the story, they got robbed uh, over in Uganda. Their house was broken into, and they had about $3,700 uh, taken from them. Uh, it wasn't as much. It was their personal money over there. This was ministry money, money that was allocated to go to the gospel and the feathering of the gospel. And, of course, $3,700 in Uganda is a tremendous amount of money to lose over there. As I said last week, I asked you all to be praying all week uh, as God leads you. So at the end of service today, at the end of service, we'll take up a special offering for them, and then I'll get with the ministry leaders and uh, see how the Lord leads them by way of the church. But uh, ind uh, individually, we'll do that at the end of service today. Amen? Write the checks to the church. And the church, the ministry leaders will get one check to them. If you are given online, yeah, yeah, there should, yes, to missions. Well, no, because we got more than one mission. That's a fair question. We can set that up. Yeah, yeah online there is a notes section, so look for that. If you have any questions and you want to do it through your online giving, uh, reach out to uh, Brother Terry, and he can direct you on that, or I could help you with that if need be. So, uh, but as far as checks, write them to the church. Online, if you don't find what you're looking for, we'll get you that information. But we'll do that at the end of service today. Get that money over to them and make sure they keep the gospel going in Uganda. Amen? All right. Uh, da, 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 da. That is it. I am done. All right, gentlemen, if we can come forward and we can pray over our service this morning.
Lord, we thank you for your love and your compassion over us. We thank you for your truth that we can stand on and the promises that gives us hope for all our tomorrows. Bless those that can give and those that cannot give, and that we use it all for the glory of your kingdom and the reaching out of lost souls. In Jesus' name, amen.
the going down of the same. Let the name of the Lord be praised. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. Let the name of the Lord be that a long time ago when I first came to Harvest and the way they talked about 
the attributes of God led me to do something that was really pivotal, pivotal to my healing, and that was separating my image of my heavenly father with my image of my personal father, my biological father. And when I started studying the attributes, um, it helped me to understand that there are some things set in stone here I can count on. There wasn't much on the world I could count on, but a lot in heaven I could. So we talked about immutability. God never changes. We talked about omniscience. God knows everything. And at first, like I said, those attributes made me mad because I thought, if he never changes and he knows everything, this next one, he'll really take good care of it. God's omnipresent. He's everywhere. And when I started thinking about that, I would think, you were right there when that happened. Why didn't you stop it? Because he's immutable, because he knows everything. And because what might be happening at this moment might be the best thing for me. And this suffering might be good for me. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> but I love it at the same time. Because God is present when I'm in Oregon, he's present with me. When you're here and I'm not here, he's present with you and me. He is always there. I have a ready resource who is solid, knows everything, and will be with me even when I break his heart and sin. He is still with me when I sin. We're talking about God's sticky love today in children's church. We're talking about Romans 5.8, that God commended, poured his love, and that while we were sinners... Jesus said, I'm going to die for that mess. And I cannot be loved less. Not one minute less. Nothing is incomplete with God. Because we're, we're going to get to the next one. Everything. There's no incomplete justice. We're not partially justified. We're not partially anything with God. It's all or nothing. That we can count on. So let's come pray to that God. Let's talk to him. He has it all. He is all. He knows it all. And he loves you all. If you will stand, we're going to continue our last song in worship this morning before the message.
some old memories. I was like, Jenny uh, came to me and I thought it was very appropriate. I'm glad the Holy Spirit put her on her heart and I'm sure many of you already have been, but uh, as we're probably sadly aware of the uh, devastating earthquakes that have taken place in Turkey, uh, the, the, the lives, just the numbers just keep on escalating and the destruction that took place. But anyway, uh, Jenny thought it was appropriate that we pray for them, and I agreed with her. So let's just take a quick moment, and uh, I'll pray. You can pray where you're at. Let's just uh, ask for God's deliverance and protection. Amen. Father, we thank you uh, that we can gather this morning, that, Father, in the blink of an eye, uh, life can change uh, drastically in the, in the lives of these individuals in Turkey that we've seen uh, such massive destruction. And, Father, I just pray that uh, you be with the... Uh, uh, rescuers, uh, as we would call them, first responders, doing all that they can do. But, but, Father, we ask that you would intervene in a miraculous way that shows your hand on this and through this. And, Father, I pray that you send individuals over there uh, with a, a compassionate heart, with a gospel that can uh, 
point all this tragedy back to your goodness uh, in spite of uh, what's going on. So protect these individuals, and uh, we ask that your will, your church, can work through it in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Uh, this morning, uh, Richard, always, I'm so thankful, Richard and our men, uh, all three of them, Sonny and Wayne, that uh, uh, bless us with... Uh, Sunday school had a great attendance, and what Richard talked on was just a great, as I got there and closed it, a great launching point for what we're going to get in today. So if you heard that, you'll kind of see a, a continuation in a way, uh, or maybe more so a foundation that was laid through uh, what the Holy Spirit put on Richard's part, on heart. Uh, but we're going to look at Ecclesiastes, and we're going to look at the life of Solomon, and we're going to touch on a couple of things. We have so much, needless to say, to learn from Solomon but let me ask you this have you ever found yourself in a situation wishing someone else could take over or finish up yeah <laughs> i think everybody has in a lot of ways uh i know charlotte and louie are going through building their house as we speak i'm sure at this point they'd love for you to come over and finish some projects for them uh, if you're trying to kill some time but uh myself speaking i foolishly and I emphasize the word foolishly, jumped into a situation like that last year. Uh, uh, now, our home is an older home. Sam and I live in. It's about 31 years old. And, uh, you know, it shows its age just because of the time frame it was built. And I thought, you know, what's something small we could do just kind of bring some new life to it, just kind of freshen it up. And uh, as a side note, whatever you do, guys, or I guess women, don't get on YouTube or and watch videos. Uh, those are, <laughs> that's a trap. I'm telling you, that's nothing but a trap. And so uh, I, I foolishly, again, came across this guy who, come to find out very quickly, was vastly more skilled than I was, even though he downplayed it and dumbed it down for me. Uh, he, he showed what we can do. We have these, I don't know if I got the word right it comes from the ceiling it's part of the sheetrock comes down and goes by i think it's called a, a, a fur down or something the cabinets are up underneath that it's just you know i'm sure it's nice 31 years ago but you know all our base cabinets today for the most part open above he was showing how you could just you can get rid of that it's just dead space i thought oh, i'm good at doing destruction doing destroying things so I got this little stool we have inside, step stool thing. I get up there, I got a hammer, and Sam comes up, what are you doing? I said, I'm checking on something. So at the end of this one piece, I, I punch a hole in it with this. That's how foolish I am. I was curious, so I hit a hole in the sheetrock. I thought, well, I can patch that up if this guy's wrong. Uh, I, I hit it, you know, the hammer goes through it. I thought, okay, that's a good sound. I get my light. I thought, he's right. There ain't nothing in there. Just, I mean, just it's just framed out and sheetrock. I said, well, that's easy. I can do that. Well, those that have come to our house and, and see that it didn't stop with the fur down. Because uh, then Sam got involved in the project. And, uh, oh, we could do this. We could do that. We could do, well, there ain't no we showed up at the job site. I'm the only one that showed up at the job site every day. So I guess she was pseudo-management, and orders were coming from the top down. Well, those that know, I, I know Terry and Charlotte were laughing at my expense at one point at things I got into. Well, we're now over a year, and a, about a year and a half later, and you walk in and think, wow, you did all that? Well, 
there's still about 15% of stuff that still needs to be done. You just don't see it. And, uh, but I do. So that project's still not done. So before you go help Charlotte and Louie, you need to come to my house first. And uh, I got things to do. So, you know, you know, the video was all well and good, great illustration, but the fact was that he says that it would be minimal expense. I didn't realize that expense was going to be at my well-being or my life. And uh, so uh, we got past that, but it, it made me think of a husband that foolishly got some advice from his buddies about his relationship with his wife. And finally getting through with them, talking to them at the country club, he went home and took their advice and walked in and told his wife very poignantly and sternly, you know, we need to talk. He said, there's going to be some changes. And I just want to let you know that it's kind of going to start being my way. And I just kind of what I say is going to be the rule, and that's the direction we're going, and that's what we're going to do. And he went through these list of things that they were going to start doing now at her expense and at the end he says and on top of that i wouldn't mind you laying out my best suit oh he said guess who's going to lay out my best suit and get my hair ready for work she calmly said i would think it's going to be the funeral director because <laughs> that's about as far as it went so let's pray we'll get in some great truth that god has for us a, a, a tremendous promise that God has for us that we can uh, just relish in and grow in, and uh, we'll jump into that. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to come and just to celebrate your goodness, your faithfulness, your love, and most of all, uh, your grace through the cross. So I ask that you anoint us this morning, prepare our hearts, anoint every word that's spoken. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. If you'd stand for me, and our verse this morning will come out of Ecclesiastes. And as you recall, now within this book of Ecclesiastes, we're going to see and reflecting back on Solomon's life is a book simply put of regret. Because uh, we know it starts off in Ecclesiastes 1 through 3, he, he, the, you know, the teacher referring to Solomon, he quickly says, vanity, vanity. Talking about meaningless, purposefulness. He said, vanity of vanity, life is vanity. And we'll see why. He penned those words. So here, Ecclesiastes 7, 8, if you'd read with me, says, Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Amen. Thank you. To finish what we start takes hard work, does it not? Yeah, I mean, I was up endless. I, my problem is when I start something, I've become consumed by it, obsessed with it. I can't do a day here, a day there. It's just my OCD. It drives me crazy. It, it's got to get done. So when, when I punched a hole in that end of that fur down, now it was like it just captivated my mind and my thought. And it took a lot of work. It took wisdom that I didn't have. I quickly got in a situation that I, I, I'm calling to get, you know, answers on things, looking at videos, trying to figure out how to do this, trial and error, uh, cost extra wood, you know, so it, it took wisdom that I didn't have, uh, and yet I still jumped into it. But you have to be patient, because the more I tried to push it, the more I wanted to hurry up and get done, it really came at a greater expense and a greater cost. So 
anyone with a vision can start a big project. That's the easiest thing to do. I mean, uh, you know, people often come to me, you know, Todd, I want to do this. And by definition or by description, yeah, it sounds good. And it, you can talk it out to being easy. But once the ministry, or i.e. the project starts, there's so much that has to go into it for it to be, you know, to God's glory and edifying Christ. But it's the same thing in life. We can get into projects in over our heads, so to speak, and it takes this work ethic, this wisdom, this determination, this self-discipline and patience that draws so much out of our character. And we look at the life of Solomon. Solomon was gifted in, in so many ways. We, we know that he was the youngest son of King David. And, uh, and so uh, after his, you know, Absalom tried to kill David for the throne and then Ab, Ab, Abijana or whatever his name was, the next son, you know, tried to get the throne. So Solomon ends up at the throne of King David and, and he's greatly blessed. He quickly gets in a situation in a, the project that, that God gave him of stepping in his father's shoes. He realized he was in over his head and Solomon did the right thing. He went to God in prayer. And because his prayer and his motive and purpose was right, God says, not only am I going to bless you with great wisdom, I'm going to bless you with great wealth. Meaning that God equipped Solomon with everything he needed. There is nothing that Solomon lacked, lacked to, to finish the project that God called him to. And Solomon did so many things. That, you know, David got the vision, talking about visions for projects, David got the original vision for the temple, but God says, no, King David, you're not going to build the temple. Your son's going to build the temple. So not only had the project of, of taking over the kingdom of Israel, God's children, walking in his father's shoes, he also had the task of building the first kingdom, the first temple to God. What an honor God blessed him with. But God didn't just throw him in over his head. Again, God equipped Solomon with everything he had and everything he needed. So at first, we, we see here, you know, this project, it had its challenges from the start. Solomon was again the child, the youngest child of David in his old age, uh, the last born. At first, apparently there was no distinct purpose to make him his heir. Absalom was still the king's favorite. We can see that in 2 Samuel 13 as, as David cried out for his son that was missing. So when Solomon was about 10 years old, Absalom dies. And in 1 Kings chapter 1, David pledged his word in secret to Bathsheba that he would give Solomon the throne to be heir to the kingdom. Look what it says in 2 Chronicles chapters uh, 28, and we're going to look at 9 and 20. And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God thy father, and serve him with perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will find thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. And look what goes on in verse 20. And David said unto Solomon's son, Be strong and of good courage, and do it. Fear not, nor be dismayed, for the Lord God, even my God, will be with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Will thou, uh, will thou hast finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. So, what we, what we have here, David, King David at this point, is obviously passing the mantle forward. He's saying, look, I've walked in your shoes before you. 
I had this call upon God for my life, this project to bring forth his nation, his people, and God blessed me greatly. I brought about more power than Israel had ever had through God's direction, through God's guidance. And we know David fell. We know David stumbled in so many ways, in, in big ways, you know, through Bathsheba. And, and of course, you know, his sin cost 70,000 Israelites their life who did nothing wrong but follow his leadership. So David, in his old age, is telling Solomon, he gives him two charges. And those charges are straightforward. He said, if you'll continue to seek the Lord. Basically, what he's saying is, Solomon, if you will finish what the Lord's starting in you, the Lord will get you all the way to the end. Don't waver. Don't waver in your project. Don't get sidetracked. Don't be lured away, which we know where the story's going. Unfortunately, we know Solomon does get lured away. He, he, Solomon ends up what I'm going to call in this message today spiritual ADD. Solomon ends up with spiritual atten you know, attention deficit disorder. He starts off greatly in God. And God does unbelievable things to his kingdom. Brings about so much power and wealth that Israel never amassed before and has never amassed since. And then his spiritual ADD kicked in. And David got, or not David, excuse me, Solomon got distracted. The charge that his father gave him no longer was of importance to Solomon. Look what it says in Psalm 72, 1, there on the screen. Give the king thy judgments, O God, and thy righteousness unto the king's son. We can see Solomon embraces his father's charge, this passing of the mantle, so to speak. But we've got to keep in mind also, we see in 2 Samuel 15, 16, as King David fled from his oldest son Absalom, attempt on his life, Solomon, to sundry, we know, had to be caught up in that. Because in 2 Samuel 15, it says that, that David took his wife and, 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 you know, his servants and all that he had. That would include Solomon and fled. So Absalom got to experience his older brother, having his own self-motive, his own purpose. And so Solomon was, from a young age, saw a great amount. So Solomon ends up in uh, Gihon, I believe it was, and he proclaimed it was anointed king of Israel by, you know, to his father's throne. And so the project begins in the spiritual walk. Now look what it says in Psalms 45.1. We see this messianic psalm portraying Christ. It deals with Christ's future relationship with the church and, and the coming Christ. But... Look what it says here. My heart is attending a good matter. I speak of the things which I have made touching the king. My tongue is what? Ah, oh, the pen of a ready writer. Solomon knew what his purpose was. He knew that he could use his tongue. He had a voice. He had power. He had influence. Even, was it Queen uh, Sheba, I think it was, came to saw him to question, you know, who this man was, his power. When she got there and she saw what he had amassed, what God had amassed for him and built, and the wisdom that Solomon had, she was in awe. And she went back in peace and continued to support Solomon and praise Solomon that he was the, the king of God's children. It was about three years later, though, around 1007 B.C., about five years into King Solomon's reign, 
he pens what could have been, you could say, is probably the most beautiful love story ever written or ever told. He pens the Song of Solomon. And if you read the Song of Solomon, it, it, it's loaded with great illustration and images. But if you look at it and break it down, it, it is the greatest love story that's ever been written. It's a poetry between Solomon and the Shulamite girl. And apparently it appears that it was probably Solomon's only true love in his life. And he pours out in this psalm, you know, to this girl. Now, if it was a Disney movie or a Hallmark movie, I guess better say, you know, you would think, and they lived happily ever after. And they could have if Solomon would have finished the project that God put him on. It could have ended that way. It could have ended one of the most beautiful stories we have in Scripture. Now, it ends up one of the most powerful stories we have in Scripture. But the way that comes about was at Solomon's expense. And Solomon writes the book of Ecclesiastes. Why? Because he doesn't want it to be at our expense. Catch that. <laughs> if you catch anything, Solomon is pleading with us. He writes this letter of Ecclesiastes, about 59 or 60 years old at the end of his life. Sum it up, he's saying, don't do what I did. What God started in me, God did great things, and I ended up with spiritual ADD. And now I'm writing to you, his children and us today, I'm writing to you because I don't want it to be at your expense either. I want you to finish what the Lord started in you. The psalmist says, I got sidetracked. And when you read the book of Ecclesiastes, it is a sad, sad story who God blessed greatly. Let's jump to 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 7. Howbeit I believed not the words until I came, and my eyes have seen it, and behold, the half was not told me, thy wisdom and prosperity. If you like writing in your Bible or taking notes, I would encourage you to highlight, circle, put asterisk, stars, quotation marks around that word prosperity. Thy wisdom and prosperity exceedeth the fame which I heard. See, it wasn't Solomon's wisdom that was his downfall. He said, well, if you're so smart, why, why did he do it? Well, it shows the power of prosperity. Prosperity was more powerful than Solomon's wisdom. The wisest man that's ever walked the earth succumbed to the blessing of God's prosperity in his life. Not his own. This is all God's doing. Because Solomon was, was, was working the project. He was the faithful project manager. God blessed him with everything he would need, and it was the prosperity that caused Solomon to fall. The love of money produces spiritual ADD more than anything I know. Not just money. I'll say the, the world's enticement. Money itself is not evil. It's what money does to us is what's evil. It's a kickstarter to our spiritual ADD. It softens and distracts our heart from the ways uh, of God to, into personal desires. 
and self-divine peace and happiness and invites invasion from stronger temptations by way of hunger, hungry or lust. Rare are the factors, listen to this, rare are the factors of this temporal world and what it has to offer that will draw your attention towards Christ. Rare are the factors of this temporal world and what it has to offer will ever drive your attention towards Christ. It steals your attention and robs it from Christ. It's kind of like fishing. Love fishing. Jason loves to fish. Brother Brad loves to fish. You know, it's like trying to finish a lingering project on a beautiful spring day, and while you're working, you're watching a video about fishermen. Just don't work. You get caught up in, oh, I'd I love to be out there on the lake. I'd love to be out on that secluded pond or, you know, creek. You've got to keep your eyes. We have to keep our eyes focused on Christ. We can't have spiritual ADD. Solomon's spiritual ADD stole his focus and became, he became more interested in what he has than he that provided it. That's what he fell to. He got caught up in everything he had around him. So much so that he allowed what God warned him of, what his father warned him of, to distract him and lead him to his own personal desires. He was more interested in what he has than he that who provided it. So why does the Bible place so much emphasis on Solomon's material possessions? Nowhere in the scriptures do we see God's direction concerning Solomon's actions. Meaning in the Old Testament, riches were considered a tangible evidence of God's blessings. At one time, you could identify the favor of God upon them, how God richly blessed his children and blessed his nation. Prosperity was seen as proof of living right. Yet in the book of Ecclesiastes and Job, this concept is placed in a broader perspective. In ideal conditions, people prosper when God runs their life. But prosperity is not guaranteed. Wealth does not prove that a person is living right before God. Neither does poverty mean that someone's living in sin. Remember Jesus and the disciple encountered the young, the kid that was blind? I said, who sinned, him or his parents? Nobody sinned. Just because you have wealth doesn't mean you're living right. Solomon had more wealth than anybody in the world, and he wasn't living right. So where does it start? Well, it starts here. Look at 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. But, we've talked about, <laughs> we talked about the buts in the Bible, amen? But King Solomon loved the Lord. Well, he did love the Lord, did he not? Did the Lord have all of his attention? Solomon loved many strange women. Together with the daughter of Pharaoh, the women of the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, the Zidonians, and the Hittites. Of the actions concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come unto you. For surely they will turn, they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto this in love. And he had 700 wives, God bless him, 
princesses and three. I probably just got myself in trouble, didn't I, guys? Princesses and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. Verse 4, and it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect, mature, established with the Lord his God, and was the heart as was the heart of his father David. Did Solomon not know this truth? Yes, he knew this truth. King David was his father. King David says, son, I've been there, done that. I bought the T-shirt. Don't go there. Stay focused on what God has for you. Keep your heart mature, set towards the Lord. Solomon knew this. Solomon did that until Solomon got fat and complacent, spiritually speaking. Uh, things are so good. I got so much wisdom. Everything's going my way. Everything's perfect. And his spiritual ADD kicked in, and his complacency led his heart going exactly where God told, told him it would go if he, if he allowed it. And it wasn't in the footsteps of his father or of the Lord. It was after strange women of foreign lands that they weren't even supposed to bring in and the story gets so perverted and so dark that with all these 700 concubines and even more women, that as David began to sire children, that these children were sacrificed to pagan gods. The son of King David, the man after God's own heart, the one that God blessed immensely and had great favor and equipped him to do everything God told him to do was now sacrificing his children to women he shouldn't have been married to, to gods that were against the God of Israel. How quickly man can fall. So how do we get from the Song of Solomon? How do we get from this beautiful song that pours out, that comes from the tongue of Solomon, that is so much beauty and a life that's walking and living in God's will to 1 Kings chapter 11. Even throughout the Bible, even though the Bible taunts, you know, taunts, you know Solomon's wisdom. 1 Kings 4.30 says, Solomon's wisdom surpassed all the wisdom of the people of the east, even the wisdom of Egypt. Solomon had everything going for him. The wisest man other than Jesus. My sister sent me a video, and I thought it was appropriate to use. This pastor illustrated that he had more money than Bill Gates, wiser than Einstein, more powerful than any U.S. president, more spiritual influence than even the Pope, and unfortunately, he had a harem greater than Hugh Hefner. Solomon had everything. So what do we grasp from that? What do we need to walk away from this today? and take the book of Ecclesiastes to heart. Because Solomon's pleading with us. That letter's begging us to understand what he had to endure. There are a few things we can learn from this. One, we can oppress our life in relationships. Well, I thought the Holy Spirit dwells with inside of us. That's not doable. Oh, yes, it is. You can oppress the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit is not going to beat you over the head with his word, i.e. the Bible. The Holy Spirit's gentle. It's nurturing. It's loving. It's encouraging. It's hopeful. But yet if we choose to ignore it, he'll calmly sit there. He's not going to force you and force me to be hopeful. He's not going to force us to be encouraged. So we can oppress our life and our relationships. You can pour health and life into your marriage and your body and living just like you can your, your uh, physical body. You can do it to your spiritual body. But in the same light, you can bring death upon it by reverse actions. We can easily see where Solomon's life became dysfunctional, and again, his spiritual ADD kicked in. It goes all the way back, not to 1 Kings chapter 11. It goes back to 1 Kings chapter 3. Look at it with me. 1 Kings 3, 3. Did I give you all that verse? Okay. And Solomon loved the Lord. We've already established that. Walking in the statute of David, his father, King David, his father, only he sacrificed burnt incense in high places. Well, what's wrong with that? Well, what's wrong with that is God's law, who Solomon knew, loving the Lord. And uh, was it Deuteronomy chapter 12? I read, can't think of the verses. But God only allowed the Israelites to do sacrifices in specific places. And the reason was God wanted it under the leadership and under the anointing of the priest and the Levites that directed that. Why? Because God knew. He knew Solomon. God knew Todd. God knew everybody. And he knew that if I let them just do worship their way, how they want to, when they want to, God knew that they were going to easily be distracted from what proper worship was. So when you think it's no big deal that Solomon goes out and burn incense in high places of his own choosing, his own way, trying to use his own wisdom, we should not be too surprised when we get to chapter 11 why now he's searching after marrying pagan women. Remember when Saul was directed by Samuel to go and to wait until he got there? I can't think of the battle, excuse, escapes my mind. But uh, Samuel, the prophet, told Saul to wait. And Saul, his soldiers came and said, hey, they're approaching. They're basically at our doorstep. We've got to do something. And Saul gives up on Samuel, gives up on the word of God, the prophet. And he calls the sacrifice. Now, what he did was spiritually correct in ordinance. He called the sacrifices, and Saul did the sacrifice in himself and went to battle. And God told Samuel, tell Saul, you done messed up, Scooter. Well, no, but they were almost here, so God, I, ha I had to go ahead and go, so I did the proper sacrifice. God said, no, you are not ordained. You do not have the power to do those sacrifices. Those were of the flesh, not of the spirit. And it cost Saul his kingdom. God says what he means, and he means what he says. And when he had told Solomon not to randomly do sacrifices and offerings, Solomon still did it. So it really started all the way back in chapter 3 of Solomon going his way and doing things his way. When we stop doing things God's way, we're left with our ways, which will hinder God's ways working in our life. 
if you'll let me chase a rabbit here for a second, it's kind of like one of the greatest tests of faith is when things don't go our way, yet will we humbly and patiently continue to move in Jesus for his purpose to prevail? That's hard to do for believers. It's hard to be patient in the Lord. I struggle with patience. I struggle greatly with patience, i.e. the project. When I start, I want to get done. And so many times I see things and, and I get confused between God's will and my wishes. And if I'm not careful, I start doing things way too fast. Then I catch myself in situations confused why things aren't going well, why they're not progressing. And I look around and I'm standing so far in front of God, it's not even funny. And God's like, what are you doing out there? And I can find scripture and reasons to justify that what I'm doing, the path I'm taking, i.e. like Saul, isn't unscriptural in itself other than the fact I did it without God's purpose. I.e. my wisdom and not God's wisdom. So anyway, I'm through chasing that rabbit. I'll get in trouble by Sam for that. So he always tells me quit chasing rabbits. Number two, adultery of the heart counts as much as adultery of the hands. Adultery of the heart counts as much as the adultery of the hands. Matthew 5.28 tells us that. If not all, most by far of adultery starts with emotional adultery. If you don't stay intimately close, you will emotionally wander. Now, this message isn't about adultery, but how many times as believers do we commit spiritual adultery? We probably all need to raise both of our arms and both of our legs, take our shoes off so we can count all of our toes. But where it starts, it always starts in the heart. And so many times, like Solomon, we've been given the Word of God, we know the Word of God, we know the truth, and yet we step out and we do self-sacrifices, we do self-will, self-direction away from God's Word. Then we wonder why our heart wanders. God says, you're, you're not in my will. You're not in my purpose. We may not have the wisdom of Solomon, but we're not that naive to the wisdom of God's word. It's pretty easy to become wise in God. Not hard. You just got to spend time in this willfully. And you become wise in the Lord. But adultery of the heart counts as much and just as easy as adultery of the hands. Three. The longer we wait to repent, uh, I called Brother Brad about this yesterday. We talked this out. This, this hit me between the eyes. The longer you wait to repent, the more damage is done. I want you to look at 2 Peter chapter 3. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. And some man counts slackness, but in long suffering to usward. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to what? Repentance. I think if I remember, I think Brother Brad used the word wiggle room with kind of his word attached to this scripture. And, uh, and, and I, th I thought it was a good illustration. God gives us wiggle room. And what do you mean by wiggle room? Or, uh, this is what jumped out at me. <laughs> Understand, let me make this point. Here's another rabbit trail. God... God does not condone our sin by any means. Does God condone our sin? We know that, okay? But this is where a lot of Christians miss it. We put more focus on worried about what God thinks of our sin rather than 
the fact that God's more worried about how we respond to our sin. That makes sense. Let me put it this way. It's not God sovereign. When he died on the cross, did he die for some of your sins or all your sins? Is he surprised by any of your sins? No. When he hung on the cross, everybody in this room, Christ already foresaw every sin we'll ever commit in our lives. So is he taken back by our sin? No. So when we don't go to God in repentance, like, oh, man, I can't go to God about this. This is embarrassing. I'm so, you know, beat down by this. I can't believe I did this. God's like, man, I wish they'd come in here and talk to me. That's what God does. He's waiting. Todd, I know you did that. Todd, I knew you were going to do that before you were formed in your mother's womb. It's not your sin that's my issue with you, Todd. My issue is, is how long are you going to sit there and twirl your spiritual thumbs and wallow in your sin and me not get you to the next step because you're more worried about your sin than getting yourself right with me to go forward? That's the beauty of God's love. God loves us so much, he said, quit worrying about your sin and start focusing on the solution. Quit worrying about what you did and focus on what I promised you. It's not where you've been, it's where I'm trying to get you. Finish the project. Don't walk off the job site because you don't feel worthy to work there. When I saved you, you're employed, you're employed for eternity. I'm seeking your labor. I'm seeking your faithfulness to work along my faithfulness in your life. That's the love Jesus asked for us. Maybe that was a good rabbit to chase. 1 Kings 11, 9. And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord, the God of Israel. And here it is. This is when I called Brother Brad. Which he had appeared unto him twice. God couldn't get Solomon's attention. That's what cost Solomon. Yes, his actions contributed to it. His actions from 1 Kings 3.3 to 1 Kings 11. Solomon brought this on himself. But what got Solomon some of the greatest trouble is God could not get Solomon to do what was right after what he did wrong. And it lingered. And it lingered. And it lingered, and it lingered, lingered, and the smartest, wisest, most wealthy man in the world, it took him till 60 years old and him dying to say, whoa, I missed that, didn't I? God said, yeah, you did, Solomon. But I'm not done with you. Remember your tongue? It's going to be your pen, and you're going to write a book. It's going to hurt you. It's going to be painful. Don't think that book of Ecclesiastes wasn't painful for Solomon. Who knows how many times he had to rewrite it with his tears falling on the paper and washing the ink off. That's not in the Bible. That's theology by Todd. But he had to have regret and pain and suffering. God says, that's okay. Because it can still be for my glory. 
in his last days, Solomon got to plead to us. He got to write a sermon to us. See, my, my father told me in Chronicles chapter 29 and 20, my father told me to keep the Lord ever before me. And he's telling us the same thing. Don't do what I did. Learn from what I did. Solomon didn't respond. He didn't repent all at once or in a brief moment. His spiritual ADD started with so much force, and it carried him so far away from God's will. Solomon's story shows us that we must be intentional and attentive to our relationship with Jesus. It can't be a flippant type of relationship. It can't be a hit and miss. I mean, it can. We have free will, and we do. But the more that we're un- I don't know how to say it, unintentful, I guess is the right way to say it, or not attentive to our fellowship and the intimacy God wants to have for us, every time we take that for granted or we're passive towards it, understanding we're walking in the same footsteps as Solomon. And we shouldn't be surprised when we look up and we're like, how did I get here? How am I out of God's favor, out of God's grace and his will? Well, never out of his grace, but out of his will and his purpose. My life's a mess. And we get a little taste of Solomon's life. Philippians 1.6 was in my notes, and as Richard was talking this morning, I was telling him in Sunday school, not to be too repetitive, every verse that Richard used was spot on, great illustrations of characters in the Bible. But every time he said or read a verse, this verse jumped back into my mind. I'd say, good point, Richard, but. Good point, Richard, but. The whole time you were talking, that's what I was thinking. Good point, but. It was Philippians 1.6. Being confident of this very thing, that he, God, which had begun a good work in you, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And what we started, what it means, what God started in us started the moment that we accepted the redeeming work of Christ on the cross and we accept Jesus into our heart. God says, man, you're employed. You're on the team. You're on the project. Here's the blueprints. Here's the blueprints. I got all the purpose for your life. I'm with you every day. I'm walking with you. I'm instructing you. I'm giving you every tool, every resource you need to build and to work in my perfect will. I don't always know what I'm doing. That's okay. I'll finish it in you. I just need you to show up to work every day. And like Solomon, I'll give you everything you need. I'll give you wisdom. I'll give you prosperity that doesn't ruin you. And I'll work with you every day, hour by hour. Solomon finds his life being left to just warning us. His spiritual ADD so consumed him that he was left with nothing but regret. And that regret comes out of him pleading with us. Finish what the Lord started in you. 
Finish it. Finish your work. I think most of us are familiar with Deion Sanders. I know I got weird illustrations. Bear with me. He had a short video, and this was spot on. Give credit where credit's due. He says, you can have as many relationships as you desire and still not be satisfied. You can wear expensive clothing and yet still not cover your pain. You can have more shoes than you can wear and not take a step in the right direction. You can have the car of your dreams and yet not go anywhere. You can have a large, beautiful house and yet not have a home. He said, by the time you get to the bottom, the time you get in your life that you're screaming out, vanity of vanities, all is vanity, all is meaningless, where am I at? I'm lost. I don't know what I'm doing. It's then and then only that Jesus starts calling us collect. But the problem is we don't want to answer the call because we know it's going to cost us. And so we go on, and we go on living, we go on trying. And because of our strong efforts, because of our self-willpower, because of our little bit of knowledge and experience, we find measures of success in our life. Maybe we, we, we get a little more, more money, a little bit more uh, items we desire. You know, maybe we get a promotion. Maybe we get the degree. Maybe we get these things. These measures of success come about, but the whole time the phone is still ringing. And you know who's on the other line. But we don't want to answer. We don't want to answer because we realize we're not probably where we're supposed to be. And we're afraid, like Solomon, maybe this phone call will come with a measure of regret I don't want to deal with. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, 2, and 3. I'll be wrapping this up. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, being Solomon, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Verse, what profit hath a man of all of his labor which he taketh under the sun? What Solomon is saying here, forget the mistakes, but remember the lesson. Forget the mistakes, but remember the lesson. When Solomon speaks vanity of life, he's referring to living under this sun, greater, with a greater acknowledgement of him who rules, reigns, and has sovereignty over the sun and everything underneath it. When we learn to bring our lives and the more we learn to bring our lives into subjection to the Father's sovereign purpose, life finds the greatest meaning. Paul, even Paul spoke to Solomon's words. Look what he says to the church of Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 5. He says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Is that all I said? Oh, can we go back to verse 15? I'm sorry. See that you walk circumspectly. That means with purpose, with direction. Know where you're going. Like Jesus said, I set my face like a flint towards Israel, towards Jerusalem. Jesus knew what he was here for. He knew the project the Father gave him, and Jesus was going to complete the project. Paul says we need to do the same thing, redeeming the times because the days are evil. 
Guys, the world we live in today, we are spiritually rolling the dice when it literally comes to the return. When God says, I will finish it till the day of Christ's return, as your preacher, I believe wholeheartedly Jesus' return is near. We're rolling, rolling the spiritual dice when we're saying, I'll get right with God. I'll get back to work later. I will do that once I do this. It doesn't mean a loss of salvation, but we do not want Christ returning and us not on the job site. Here's the beauty. Get back into the project. Get back to finishing your work. Stay the course. If need to repent, repent. But get our attention back on the project of our spiritual walk without distraction. I don't care where you are, where you went, or where you're at now. That does not matter. God is waiting just like he was waiting on Solomon. Only thing we have to do is repent. He removes our sins as far as the east is from the west and has no memory of them. Why do we not want to come before him? Well, I just feel so bad. I'm regretful. I just can't believe I let him down. Newsflash, you didn't let him down. You already let him down back before you were ever born. If you're worried about letting him down, that's not the issue. Not what we did is where we're going. That's what Jesus focuses on. Because his love is so Im immense. I'll close with this. We were talking about this a Thursday night, I believe, several weeks ago. We're talking about Lot and his lessons in life. And if anybody ruined their life, it was Lot. But before we pick on Lot, we also pointed out Solomon. You can point out, uh, oh, you can point out Samson, could you not? Uh, King David messed up his life. Judas Iscariot, you can get into, uh, Bible goes on and on, Demas, for, Paul for the world. John Mark left Barnabas and Paul and their missionary. You go on and on and on. Characters in the Bible that walked off the project. But every one of these men, God was able to use for his glory. So when Lot found himself in that situation, made a mess of his life, and he was in the caves after running from Sodom and Gomorrah and we know the story and the dark turn it takes he ends up with an incest with his two daughters and, and Lot births two sons these two sons become the fathers of two of the worst enemy nations Israel ever had the Moabites and Ammonites and just bordered Israel and they were a perpetual thorn in Israel's side all because of Lot's wandering but to show how much God loves Lot and how much God loves us. Because even though Lot's spiritual ADD, so to speak, like Solomon, brought about this destruction of his life and it brought about the Moabites, it was out of that that God reached down out of this heathenistic nation, grabbed a woman, brought her out, and put her in the lineage of Christ that became the grandfather of King David and brought about our Savior, Jesus Christ, and that was Ruth. 
Lot did everything he could do to destroy the project he was on. But the promise applied to Lot, I will finish in you what I started. Now, if you don't want to be involved in it, that's your will. But we will never impede on what God wants to finish in us and through us. If he can't do it with us, he'll do it without us. But God's never going to fire us. We have our eternal reward in heaven. We got the greatest benefit package ever designed by anybody. He just needs for us to show up every day for work. And he'll finish what he started, and we get to finish what we chose in Jesus Christ. Amen? Man, let's stand. Father, we thank you for, again, the opportunity to come into what you blessed us with, our little Judean Samaria here, this little metal building on a little acre of land. The Father, you blessed us with. This came by your riches, by your favor. Father, we come in here and try to amass a little bit of wisdom. But, Father, we just pray, like Solomon, that we don't fall into spiritual ADD, that we don't get distracted by this life and the prosperity it can throw at us, that understand that you called us to a greater work, a greater purpose. How humbling that you chose us to have the ability to choose you. And once we did what you started, you will not fail in doing and delivering. Father, just pray that we don't get in the way of that. That we humbly and faithfully just show up every day. We show up, put in our eyes and our mind in your word. We show up every day and pray. We show up here the first of every week. We're faithful with what you gave us for stewards and, and, and faithfully give back a tenth of what you gave us. These are things we can do to be faithful. These are the things that we do to continue to move forward in your project in us. Thank you for your love that you so beautifully showed even through Solomon's life and even looking at Lot's life. The beauty of your purpose will always prevail. Your grace will never lead us or you'll never lead us where your grace will never sustain us. It's a music place. As the Lord leads you. There's folks here, they'll pray with you.
Excellent. Three words obviously summed up everything that Todd had to say. Just show up. Nike says just do it. God says just show up. Show up for your devotions. Show up for church. Show up to the altar. What a great reminder. God's going to finish what he's going to do anyway. May as well join him. You can't join him unless you show up. Be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. And you know what? You and God go arm in arm all the way to the finish line. Amen? All right. Speaking of ADD, <laughs> that's me. Thank you for stopping me to get out. But anyway, for us, uh, you can go ahead and have a seat. What we're going to do is, uh, as I said, we're going to take up a we're special up offering, a special for, offering Amy for, for Amy for Africa. Uh, 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 give as you will. Give cash as you will. Cash is obviously fine. If you want to write a check, I encourage you to write it to the church. To the church. And we'll get that down. If you want to give online, there should be a notation of what it's for. If you get there, get there. Uh, and you don't see that, don't see give, that myself give myself a call, and uh, we'll get and, that, uh, worked, we'll get out that worked out for but, you. Uh, we're but gonna uh, pray we're here going to pray here and take a little bit of time if you need to write a check and, write a check and uh, let the Holy Spirit lead you and uh, be the and, uh, blessing, be the blessing uh, to Amy and the gospel work that's taking place in Uganda. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Your word is why we gather to worship. To celebrate, celebrate to, make to make big of who you of are who and what you are and you are and your endless promises. Your endless promises. And uh, Father, we uh, Father, are so we thankful. Are so thankful for, uh, for our missionaries. Uh, missionaries. Uh, I think of I think Amber of Bader and Bader and, and the Baptist and the ministry and the lives that uh, they bring that, uh, they through, bring the through the gospel as well. As well. Our gospel focus. And focus and we'll be hearing from we'll her soon. From but her soon. For Amy, we come at this time because they're in need. They're in need. And Father, there's and no Father, greater there's thing no to invest in than the gospel. And uh, so we ask that we can take up these funds and, funds and help replenish, help replenish uh, the gospel uh, work the gospel you're doing work over there for, over these, there children, for these children, these families, families uh, in Uganda, and just making a difference for your kingdom. So, so uh, bless, uh, anoint every uh, offering that's made. Let it go to Father your kingdom. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. As the guys come around, come around, and if you're rushed, you can. One of the ministry leaders will be around later.